Good morning, everyone. It is very good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you, Vernon, for choosing that song for us, Onward Christian Soldiers, because the title of my message is Going Forward, and it fits in very well with that, giving us courage to go on. <clears throat> well, I didn't know what to say, because we went through a pretty intense week last week, and what does a person preach about after that? What is there to say? I hope you all feel sorry for me because it was pretty tough. We were compared to going into a, an intensive care room last week. And that's a pretty major situation. It means we were in pretty bad shape. And are we out of there yet? Are we in the recovery room? Where are we? Not sure. And a person has to be pretty careful when people are in that bad shape that we're in intensive care. Maybe we have only discovered what our problems were, what the extent of the injuries were, and still need to figure out how to fix them. What do we say? Would it be right to just come up here and preach about the Good Shepherd or the grace of God or something that's totally unrelated to what we went through and never mentioned those things. Well, it seems to me that not mentioning those things and acting like it didn't happen is a good way to have things go back to normal. And I don't think we want to do that. I have some verses to read and I hope you can get the drift of what I'm trying to say because it could sound pretty bad. <laughs> I guess I'll read them once and then we'll talk about it. It's in 2 Peter 2, 20 to 22. And 2 Peter 2 is a pretty negative chapter. It says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been, been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. And also in Matthew 12, 43 to 45, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out, and when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other saint, other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. And the point I'm trying to get is not that we are bad people, we aren't sows that are going to turn to our to the uh, wallowing in the mire. The point I'm trying to make is that if we don't do something and ends up going back the way it was, it's probably going to be worse. It's going to be worse. 
so we dare not let the opportunity before us go to waste. And that's kind of the uh, emphasis of the message. Let's do what we can to um, let the process continue and not let it go to waste. We have gone to a lot of effort to begin the healing process. We had two men come and spend a number of days here with us, hearing our hearts, getting us to open our hearts. Probably, uh, you know, maybe to an extent that hasn't happened before. And they gave us very good advice and teaching. You know, they advised us even personally, and they gave us excellent teaching. And they were also an excellent example as they lived among us. They had an example before us. Let's take note of that. If we don't work hard to keep the process going, it will go back to where worse than it was before. But now the doctors have gone home, haven't they? The doctors have gone home, and it's up to us. What are we going to do about it? If things are going to get better, it will take every one of us to do his part. No one has a right to sit back and wait and see if things change. If a person sits back to wait and see if things change, he'll probably be left behind. Stay sitting while the rest of us move on. There's some other verses in Romans 10 that I'd like to read. It says, uh, 10, 6 to 9, But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise, Say not in thine heart, Who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or, Who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Here again, uh, we're not necessarily talking about salvation, but the point I want to get out of this is, here were some people that thought they needed Christ here to take care of their situation. Who's going to bring Christ down from heaven? Or, Christ died, who's going to bring him back again from the dead? Somebody needs to do something. Who's going to do it? If we only had Christ here, then we could have salvation. Well, we tend to ask those same questions. Who Who else is going to change? The question is not what other people are going to change, but the answer is right within us. Will I change? Am I willing to do that? Because that's where the change begins, is in each one of our hearts. Earlier this year, I preached a message on truth, and I don't know if you remembered or not, and I don't think it was the last time, maybe the time before. And later, someone asked me how, how that applies to our situation here. Because we have a lot of questions. We have problems and we have questions. Why we have problems? And God knows the truth. We know he has all the answers. So how does that apply to us as a church? 
Why doesn't God just show us what the, what the answers are? That would be nice if God would show us clearly. Everybody could see clearly every, everything, every situation and what the problems are. But I'm not sure that we would listen if he would show us the complete truth. Back in the time when Jesus was here, did he show people the whole truth? Well, he did, but not the way they expected. At one point, the Jews came to him and asked him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, show us plainly. Just say it, what you are. Why are you so secretive about it? Well, Jesus said, I already showed you the truth. I showed you everything about myself, but you didn't believe it. The works that I do in my Father's name, they testify of me. And also, he said many times, he spoke in parables many times, and the disciples asked him, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus said, because the people won't hear the truth. I speak in parables so that the people that want to know can hear. And that's the way God works with us. If we want to know, he, we will hear. If he would just say everything he knows, it would be too much for us. We probably wouldn't receive it. So, as I was thinking about that, I decided, you know, God does show us truth. He shows it in small ways, in little bits at a time, in our own hearts. That's how he shows us truth. And if we open our hearts to what he shows us, he will keep on showing us more truths. If we open our hearts and listen and obey what he says, that's what he's waiting for, to see our hearts if we respond, and then he can show us more things. But if our hearts are not open to what he shows us, then it stops there. It can't go any further. God always, yeah, I have the next verse here kind of refers to that. John 7, 17 says, If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. First phrase in that verse says, If any man will do his will. That's what comes before we know always what all the answers are. If we are open to doing his will, we tend to stand back and say, God, show me what your will is, and then I will decide whether I'm going to follow it. But that doesn't work. <clears throat> he wants us to be willing to do his will first. Some more verses in Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. As we go through life, we tend to make a groove and stay in that groove. We tend to look at situations and respond to them in a similar way. We tend to respond to others in a similar way, or even how we view ourselves. I mean, there's just a lot of things that we kind of tend to do the same things over and over. <clears throat> and that's not all bad. If the groove is straight, we notice in those verses, it says, make straight paths for your feet. God wants us to have straight paths. 
But what if our path isn't straight? I find especially in the matter of relationships, that's probably the most difficult area to have a straight path all the time. We don't have so much trouble with stealing or lying or killing or, you know, the Ten Commandments type of thing. But when it comes to relationships, do we make a straight path? I find in my own life that I think I'm making a straight path, and then if I stop and look back, I see curves in that path. That wasn't right. I didn't say things right. I didn't say the right things. It's a lot of hard work. So if we find that there's crooks in our path, are we honest enough to admit it? Are we willing to do the hard work that it takes to go back and make the path straight? <clears throat> it takes a lot of work to get out of a groove. It's not easy. It's not the normal thing to do. It's normal just to follow on what we've been doing. But we're going to have to go against what is normal. We're going to have to do extra work to make the path straight. <clears throat> The Bible has great emphasis on straight paths, and I suppose that would make another sermon if we talk about straight paths and crooked paths. I looked a little bit, and there was a lot of references about that. The wicked have crooked paths. The wicked froward in their paths, and that means turn aside. That means make it crooked. So God wants straight paths. They are very important in relationships. Straight paths inspire trust and confidence, and they bring healing. And the most important path to concentrate on is our own. <clears throat> That's where we can make the most difference. A lot more could be said about this, but I'm going to stop with that. Even though, yeah, the Bible has a lot to say about it. But I want to, the emphasis of this message to be on each one of us doing our part to finish the work. It takes all of us to do our part. Are we willing to do that work? <clears throat> I'd also like to emphasize again the example that Mark and Dale were while they were here. They left us an excellent example. Let's follow what they showed us. <clears throat>